what it means to be an American. America is freedom, and freedom is special and rare. We, the people of this great nation. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We, the people, we, the people of this great nation. Of this great nation. Good morning, my fellow Americans and all my fellow patriots all across this country and globe. Because we got patriots everywhere. Do not be fooled. The patriots are not just in homeland. They are out overseas fighting the good fight so Americans can have freedom in this country. So, yes, today. Today is going to be an interesting, a very interesting um, podcast because, because I have very unique takes. As I said yesterday... On the podcast, I had brought someone who is a professor. He's extremely educated. And the gentleman, uh, we had several different debates on several different topics that were extremely important today. I mean, this, mind you, this would not have been important 20 years ago. We wouldn't even be talking about this 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, this is just ridiculous that we're having these discussions. But nevertheless, it's discussions that need to be had. And the reason they need to be have is because Americans need to be informed. All Americans need to be informed. Um, so we all know the CDC has been playing us like a fool, but we've all known about it. All the right-wingers knew the CDC has been playing us. They have been playing us um, forever. They've been playing us. Uh, apparently everything Trump said back in 2020 has been confirmed right now. Pretty much the science was wrong or the science was continuously changing. Therefore, they couldn't come up with a conclusion. And the CDC has been behind every step of the way. Florida and Texas and other states have led the way. While Fauci has become famous and a household name, which is probably. Which is probably what he's always wanted. I still I. um. Why I still feel, why I still feel, I still feel John, um, I still feel that John Kerry should be in some which way um, prosecuted or something. I'm not going to jump the gun. I know I jumped the gun yesterday because I am not a John Kerry fan, Um, but that is definitely treason, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt until it is proven otherwise. Um. So we have another issue now. We also have more. FBI opens a civil rights probe on police-involved shooting of Andrew Brown. Apparently BLM protests enough, and they and they continue to push enough, and you've got groups of militias that look like the Black Panthers coming out, and eventually you will get the FBI to investigate because now we're living in the times of mob rule. The mob will always rule now. Until we become the mob and then everything changes. Um, So that being said, I mean, look. They're ignoring everything else. They're playing. They're they're downplaying everything. They're they're not talking on the mainstream media about the fact that there's an audit happening happening right now in Arizona. Um, They've forgotten about Andrew Cuomo's scandal. So they're no longer talking about Andrew Cuomo's scandal. I wonder where the Me Too movement is. Where's Ashley Judd? With with her with, with with her with her team, of course it doesn't matter, right? Because it's it's a Democrat; they can get away with everything. It's the sad it's a sad um it's the sad world we're living in. Um, 
and it's the it's it's the type of world that we're living in in a, a world that is lies non-transparent we find out the capitol police in the riot actually died of natural causes wasn't that much on the news was it and this happened last week i believe i mean they just keep us in the dark and this is the way they want us they keep us in the dark we're misinformed and that's how you have the left <laughs> i hate to say it i mean come on man it is what it is the left is blind the left is stupid the left believes everything CNN and Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon say. The left isn't woke. The left isn't woke. They're stupid. Plain and simple. So let's go straight into the nitty gritty and into this interesting debate. It handles just about everything of, uh, of America, mainly black America and the conditions that we're dealing with. This, this is, again, I don't care um, talking about it. If you guys would like to be on the show... You can email me at jace at the Republican Nation. That's J-A-S-E at the Republican Nation. Again, you guys know what I'm doing. I'm doing the 2021 tour, um, TRN tour. I'm trying to do the feedtheneeded.org where I'm in the process of buying a van and all that. Anything you guys can do to help me out, purchase some merchandise at the RepublicanNationStore.com. That goes a long way. That helps. Without further ado, let's have, I mean, this is just phenomenal. Wait till you guys hear it. It's just, it's just awesome. Can I please get some other Republican and conservatives to debunk this thing? Because apparently my listeners on the podcast really believe this shit. And I'm just trying to give them like common sense. Like it's not that I'm anti-Trump. I'm anti-Republican. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, the, the, the thought of it. What was the question? Well, rent an airplane. Anyone who's a flat earther, they should hire... They should hire, they should charter a, like a jet capable of round the world travel and have them take off in New York, do a round the world thing and end up in Los Angeles and ask them how that could happen if their world is flat. Well, why, why even bother? I mean, you shouldn't have to go to that length, but I mean, well, that's a, that's a lot of expense to prove something that is, they're the ones who footing the bill. They need to hire the jet. They can, they can sit and watch any sailing um uh video on youtube you know like delos or um look all you have to do is uh, zatara zatara you know because they they circumvent the world several times now delos has delos crew they're they're actually a lot of fun to watch also ask them how gravity works how anywhere you are oh my cat proves gravity every day Cause like it all pulls towards the center of the earth, you know? So no matter where you stand on the planet, gravity pulls towards the center. This was specifically for Dr. Q. Okay. And what were you going to say? Perfect union. You had, you were, you were in the. Yeah. I mean, once you get to about 1500 feet, you can begin to see the curve of the earth uh, with a naked eye and flat things don't, bend at the horizon. Ooh. So, damn, good. The fact that um the fact that people think that the earth is flat are right up there with people who think that the moon landing was staged. Oh, that's Which, another thing he he thinks it's staged, yeah. I see yeah, at least is. at least with the moon landing, I can understand the logic. I I know we landed on the moon. I believe we landed on the moon, but at least the conspiracies around the cold war could lead you to believe it could have been faked, but the flat earth theory, I'm an open-minded guy, 
but I couldn't wrap my mind around any of the flat earth shit. But how, how, why is, they, they assume, they're saying that nobody's ever gone into space. This is the whole QAnon thing. This is like their whole, like, beliefs and stuff. Like, they, they're like, the moon landing's fake. You could tell by the material that was used. It wouldn't be able to leave the Earth's surface. And it was all filmed in Las Vegas or in a studio. And I'm like, dude, I, I mean, I understand we were competing with uh, Russia and, and, and all that, but I mean, to fake a moon landing, I mean, that would be the biggest, I mean, conspiracy of all time because then every scientist out there that has seen, you know, that they look at, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it would have been analyzed by so many different minds right now. Jason. Well, when you look at what Neil deGrasse Tyson said, he said it would actually have been easier to land on the moon than to do all the things that made people believe we landed on the moon. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking. It'd be the second biggest conspiracy, Jace. The biggest conspiracy is believing that Democrats are ever here to help. Yeah. There we go. That's a good one. That's a Republican talk. That's awesome. North Carolina. Now, did the cop make a mistake? I don't know. We'll find Thank out. Thank you, right? darling. Supposedly had a can. He had a, a a phone or a house phone or a cordless phone or whatever up to his ear. Uh, or he was carrying above his hand, uh, his head and the cop instructs the guy multiple times to, to stop coming towards him, to drop whatever he's carrying. And he's like 50 feet away. Now, should the cop have shot the guy? Probably not. Right. And it's going to be like the, it's going to be like the, um, the one, uh, Dante, Wright, Where the officer did something wrong is probably going to be held accountable for it. Right. But that's, that's secondary. If the person had called the cops, was talking to the cops, and the, and there's a cop telling you to stop and back up and not continue to proceed forward, the person put his own life at risk by not following the instruction of the cop. Now, I'm sorry, and, and I'm not excusing I'm not excusing bad policing or any of that stuff, right? I'm not. Not at all. Bad cop. We don't need bad cops. We don't need bad people. Right? But at a certain point, people have to realize and stop this marching bullshit when it's when the when the escalation being created is being done by the people who ultimately end up being harmed. And I, I, mean, I anybody, believe that George okay. Floyd would be alive if he hadn't resisted arrest. Right? Dante Wright would still be alive if he hadn't resisted arrest and attempted a felony flight. Jacob Blake wouldn't be crippled if he had not tried to, if he had, if he had listened to the cops, had not tried to get back into his car and dive to the floorboard of his vehicle where there was a knife. This Toledo kid in, in Ohio, or sorry, in Chicago, running with a 13 year old kid running the streets at 2.30 in the morning. He gets shot by the cops. He's turning around. As he's turning around, he's he lets go of the gun. But the problem is, is that his body shielded him dropping the gun. So he's turning around. If I'm a cop and I see somebody starting to turn, they've got a gun in their hand and they're turning and I don't see that gun anymore. You bet your ass I'm going to fire. Because I don't even have to hypothesize on that. I had to do that in combat. I know that the streets of Chicago aren't combat, but. Uh, I mean, well, it depends on depends on what neighborhood well, you're. But you get what I mean. Like the streets uh, of America, I don't want to compare them to the streets of Iraq. But no, that the, situation is something most people can't fathom because they've never been there. But they're so willing to judge it and act as if they would be holier than thou in that situation. Well, my whole yeah. my, my whole point of view on this is that 
to the extent that that cops violate law or procedure, they should be held accountable without question every single time. But let us not also think that people, citizens in this country, have a responsibility to comply with lawful requests. And if and if a cop does something to you that is unlawful or illegal or violates procedure or violates the con- use of force continuum, whatever, you comply and you take it, you find Ben Crump afterward. But unfortunately, Ben Crump's not going to take that case because he can't get as much money. People have a responsibility in a civil society to follow the law. And when they don't and they create an escalation, they are putting themselves voluntarily at risk. And it's unnecessary. And nobody, no, uh, LeBron James, the news media, nobody is coming at Al Sharpton. None of these guys are coming out and saying, you know what? We need to all do better. It isn't just the cops' fault when the cops are being placed in an unwinnable situation. Like the, the, the uh, 16-year-old girl that got shot. If the cop had done nothing or had shot his gun in the air like Joy Behar suggested, he could have been, found, he could have been charged with reckless endangerment for firing his weapon in the air. It's not trained. It's not asked or required. And that bullet's going to come back down. So what happens if that bullet that was fired in the air so he didn't have to shoot a person in front of him, what happens if that bullet comes down and hits somebody else? And causes injury. And it would be lethal on its way down. Most people don't understand that. It would be lethal on its yeah, way down. Yeah, it would. Down. That's what I mean. It would be. So so that's reckless endangerment, right? So <clears throat> by, not, by not stopping the person in the split second he had to operate, by not stopping that person, her arm was fully cocked and loaded with that knife. And she was going to stab that girl in the chest or the neck. So I don't, I don't blame that cop. And when you hear Ben Crump get on TV and say uh, she was unarmed, literally said she was unarmed. M- I think it was NBC or MSNBC cropped out the gun out of Toledo's hand, right? They cropped the frame so that you didn't see the gun because they had the frame just before he started to turn where he was holding the gun in his right hand down by, down by his side. And he was starting to turn. And the frame, the body cam, clearly showed the gun. I don't blame, I don't blame the cops when they are put in a life and death situation where it's either to protect or preserve their own life or the life of somebody else, and they have to take that horrible, horrible step of pulling their service weapon and firing it. And I don't defend anybody who, I don't defend any cop who illegally or improperly uses force to sub- to subdue a suspect. We don't need that. It doesn't make it any easier for the rest of us. <coughs> that was very good. I mean, you broke it down to a T, my friend. I've been around a couple of years. Yeah, wisdom. Well, I never I never had to fire a service weapon because I was underwater. <laughs> And they don't go very far. Um, but people that go into combat, right? And, and they, have to, they have to perform a job. And that job is to eliminate the enemy. The, the thing that you guys as combat vets have to carry with you, if you've ever been in a combat situation where you've ever actually pulled the trigger, 
and ended somebody else's life or, or caused them great bodily harm. I can't imagine what that's like for you guys to carry. So yeah, and a cop's doing it in a civilian in a civilian capacity, where the person may or may not be armed or whatever. And um, no amount of training the yep. Marine Corps ever gave me prepared me for that. So and because that's not what they prepare you for. All they can do is prepare you to perform in combat. The emotional thing is something you have to deal with on your own. I mean, they're well like the VA helps you with it. So the government still the military, the government they still help you with the problem. But yeah. I mean, it's still each person reacts differently, and each person has to carry it for the rest of their life. Now, so can, can you repeat the stats? Because I, I actually thought the numbers were higher on the interactions with cops and, and the, the shootings and all that. Can you break it down for me, if you don't mind? Because I thought it was 0. .006, but apparently it's less than that, which is crazy to me that, that it's actually less than, uh, than what I thought or what I found, I guess. Well, essentially, we have just over 700,000 law enforcement agents in the country. Um, since there's no national database, data is hard to track. However, they estimate that based on those 700,000 police officers, there is an estimated interaction of 50 million between law enforcement and the general public each year. Obviously, that number could be a little higher, could be a little lower. Um, so whether it's 0. 0.0003, whether it's 0. 0.6, it's still a tragedy and it's still very not the epidemic that people believe it is. It's not like police in mass from coast to coast in all 50 states are just out gunning people down in the streets. You said that, that would that of, would be an issue, but that's you, not what's happening. You said that out of 2000 out of uh, out of that out of that uh, 50 million interactions, 2000 of them end up being uh fatal shootings or shootings in general. Well, that's an approximation because like it's never it usually rarely reaches 2000. Like so far in 2021, we've had 95 deadly interactions with law enforcement. Last year was 436. The year before, 625. 2018, 416. 2017, 152. 2016, 210. So, I mean, when you consider that since 2009 to now, we've only had about 4000 law enforcement involved killings. That's not shootings. That's people who died. That doesn't involve the people who survived. Those are just killings. I mean, so there's only been 95 killings so far this year in January, January, February, March, and April. And yeah, out of 700,000 plus, so the number is over 700,000. I think it's like 708,000 and change, if memory serves. But uh, if you do the math, out of 708,000 officers and 95 of those officers use deadly force this year, you do the numbers, you know, even regardless of the amount of interactions just seven hundred eight thousand officers 95 deadly shootings so far yeah that's a rate of like you know roughly 400 a year right and and, and it it's almost irrelevant to use that particular statistic because you have to look at the situation every situation is unique oh and yeah not, i'm just and, breaking the number down to make it people understand not, how tiny not, it is yeah no i'm not I'm not even, I'm going to make it even tinier, right? When you look at the totality of the circumstance where deadly force is employed and you look at what, what is being done with somebody like the, uh, Makia Bryant shooting where that person was going to kill somebody else, right? Well, what was the, was the, was the use of force justified? And in the vast, vast majority of the cases where deadly force is employed, it is justified, which means that that 0.003 number 
okay, is even smaller. It gets into the it gets into the hundreds of thousands because there's only been of all of the rioting and everything that was done last year. The only the only case that I'm aware of that has made national news was the George Floyd case where deadly force was employed and it wasn't justified. So, you know, again, we come back to what are the circumstances? And they say, well, and the thing was one of the guys that won something for the Oscars last night, they have all these police shooting victims, you know, embroidered on the inside of their jacket, which is a really ugly jacket, by the way. I mean, I'm not a slave to fashion, but Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, they, they're talking about systemic racism and this is all, you know, this is an epidemic. It's this, it's that. And, and nobody says, I mean, we keep getting told, we keep hearing that black people have to have the quote unquote, the talk with their kids to avoid being shot by the police. Well, apparently they need a new talk. Because it's not, pe- it's not keeping people from engaging with gangs to run the streets as a 13-year-old with a 21-year-old gangbanger. And then to go run off with his gun after he fires at a vehicle. It, it's the, if you want to avoid a negative interaction with the police, do two things. Don't break the law. And if you do get involved in an interaction with the police comply with everything they say. And guess what? You won't be one of those statistics. You won't be one of those 400 or so a year that somebody then has to go back and question. If we want to teach the end of, of that kind of violence where you where your life has ended at the hands of a cop, then you better be having conversations with your children about what it is to respect law and order. And to use the system when it doesn't, when something doesn't go your way, the answer isn't to pick up a knife and try to stab your friends or your siblings, as Makia Bryant tried to do. It's to work it out and resolve it out. Those were some very strong words, my friend. Very wise. New York law that uh, bans concealed con- uh, or limits concealed carry. And, and nationally? Oh, well, Supreme Court's going to take it up in the next term. So I, I don't know that that's not this year. It's probably next year. Next, uh, you know, the the fiscal 20. The calendar. Yeah. Calendar, yeah. Not this, not this year, but next October, probably. Or this October coming up, uh, which will be the new term. Does it have any preliminary information or is it just something they plan to put on the docket? Well, the. Um, Like a case no, number. Uh, no, they've announced that they're going to put it on the docket. So there's no case. There's no docket filing yet. Um, but essentially, essentially, what it comes down to is whether or not the Second Amendment um, is going to apply towards concealed carry and can a state because they can't you, they can't keep you from having a gun in your house. But but essentially, New York is making it illegal to transport the weapon anywhere outside of your house. So the question is whether or not um, that second that amendment includes taking it to a range or to go hunting with it. Um, I I don't know the underlying case history 
uh, with any specificity. So please forgive my lack of knowledge on them. Just flipping through. um, I'm just just curious because, I mean, I'm sure everyone at this panel is a proponent of the Second Amendment, and most people should be. It's one of the few rights that the founding fathers. And why do you think they placed it as second on their here's list? The, here's the, here's the deal. I'm guns sorry. And, guns that. and gadgets on YouTube has a breakdown of it. Yeah. So the State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Corlett concerns a New York law governing licenses to carry concealed handguns in public. It requires the resident to show he has what New York calls an actual and articulable need to do so, which is kind of an ambiguous standard, yeah. which is probably ripe for consideration by the court. Supreme Court's decision in the case could have an impact for millions of people living in jurisdictions with restrictive public carry licensing regimes and will tell us how to broadly or tell how broadly the current set of justices are reading the Second Amendment, according to... Jacob D. Charles, who's the executive director of the Center for Firearms Law at Duke University School of Law. This is off CNN Politics website, by the way. For privacy and security. That was by far the best explanation I've ever had given to me by someone on on Trump's actual filings. And I agree with you. They should have filed the lawsuits prior. That's when the Democrats started filing lawsuits. They had what? A hundred or a thousand lawsuits that have been filed in different to change the election laws. The Democrats were filing these, and Republicans yeah. did nothing. The Republicans, right? That degree that they got. I don't even say why. Why? Why? Why the governor would have have entered into that, or and the Secretary of State Raffensperger would have joined into the the that consent decree that they did. But essentially, the state court. The Secretary of State and the governor all signed off on things, and the legislature was cut out of the process. And the Constitution is explicitly clear that the manner, the manner and choice for selection of presidential electors is the sole purview of the state legislature. If not, why have them? Well, think about it. The people did not vote for president initially. People voted for representatives who vote for president of the Electoral College, okay? And the Electoral College was set to map out to the number of uh, congressmen and senators, okay? So that was the Electoral College. So when this, when and people get this misnomer that the popular vote is, is all that matters, it's the reason why the legislature matters in setting the, the, the procedure for electing the president is because that state has its federal require, or sorry, it has it under federalism. They have their own right to determine how they want to choose their president. And the, and the amalgamation or the Republic's founding that gave that right to the states didn't give it to the people. The people voted for representatives. The people vote for a set of electors based on what the state said, because that was the state's ability to say the federal government will operate in a way that works for the states, not for the individuals. It was the state's responsibility under the Constitution to deal with what the people needed for their respective states, recognizing that Virginia was different from New York, was different from Florida, or South Carolina, actually. Okay? So... The fact that we've allowed this, and I'm going to 
if I get an opportunity ever to do this, I'm going to harp on it. And I want people to understand that the 17th Amendment, the amendment which made the election of senators a popular election rather than a state-appointed legislature choice, you're still elected, but you're elected by the legislature itself. That was the thing that created the impetus for us to get into as much trouble as we have gotten into as a country because the states no longer had the ability to temper the mob of the House of Representatives, which the founders had always intended to be sort of a mob. But the Senate was supposed to be the thing that was going to be deliberative. It was going to be cool. It was going to balance the interest of the states against the interest of the people and that we would always find compromise. And it was a it was a bit of genius that the founders had there. And when when that went to popular vote, now we see things like people trying to end the filibuster. They're trying to literally break down into mob rule, the Senate and the House. And that just means that whatever parties in political power is going to steamroll over top of the other. We saw this. Uh, we saw this with Harry Reid. And when he ended the filibuster for judicial appointments, federal judges. Uh, when he had power and then the Republicans fired back and they did the same thing with the Supreme court. And now the last vestige of any, any compromise sets on the chopping block. And it's all because the States lost the ability to appoint their senators and represent the interest of Florida, not the democratic party or the Republican party or some independent and if we think that we want to get back to some semblance of organization and, and esprit de corps in this country, the 17th Amendment has to go. Wow, that was deep. That was deep and good. Jesus. Wow. So well, when you read and understand the Constitution, there are just certain realities that apply. I mean, he obviously. That's why, the con- that's why the Constitution is so important to us. And most people debate this stuff and they probably don't own a copy of the constitution, even though they can just look it up online and they probably you do. I I imagine most of us have read it. I'm just saying your average American probably couldn't even tell you what most of the amendments are, what they represent. And that's just sad. You have the app. All right. So that's even, that's awesome. He's got it on his phone, ready to strike. And anybody who's a document in this country Next to the Declaration of Independence, and people just don't know it. I love the Constitution so much that I've actually had a copy made, and I have it framed in my living room, and my wife hates it. And I have it with two rifles. One is a Confederate, one is a Union rifle. And then I have it with uh, a Navy Navy, uh, Union rifle, all authentic, used in battle. And I have the actual battles that they were used in. Um, Because I respect and love U.S. history. I think everything we've evolved to the to, to a t- the type of society that we are, because these founding fathers created these building blocks that we can build off of, but not we're not supposed to change. <laughs> we're supposed to build off of it, not change it. Well, I, th- to to be fair, they realized the that the nation would change, and that the Constitution needed a way to keep up. So they gave us Article Five. They gave us a process to make the Constitution do what we want. Look, if as a nation we don't want to have gun ownership, we can amend the Constitution. But we can't pass laws that limit gun ownership. You know, the, the fact that, and, it, and really this kind of went downhill 
um, after the St. Valentine's Day massacre, which is the, the mob hits in the 30s, when, you know, Tommy guns were being used by people and they were, just, you know, by gangsters and they were just like spraying automatic gunfire all over Chicago. Okay. The, the federal government, J. Edgar Hoover came in and said, we need a law. And because it was so abhorrent to think of people using automatic weapons in, in the country um, against civilians, people just kind of stepped up and allowed it to happen. Nobody challenged it then. But technically, all of that was a violation of the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment didn't say you could have a hunting rifle. The Second Amendment was put in place after we had won a war or we had got the the Germans, the British to capitulate, right, and walk away. But at the time, people, if you had the money, you could have the same weapons of war that the British had. There were people who owned privately, privately owned mortars. And warships. And warships, gunships, right? And, um, and now... If you have an AR-15, which is a semi-automatic rifle, it's not automatic, but if you have a semi-automatic rifle, they want to come after that and take it. Now, I say this with the proviso. I used to own a lot of firearms. I don't own any firearms now because I just don't. It's, uh, my hobby was very expensive, <laughs> right? So uh, I've just prioritized other things. But I think anybody, whether you own firearms or don't own firearms, Anybody who does not fight for the concept that the Second Amendment provides the right to keep and bear arms for those who choose to do so, you're doing a disservice to your own country. And in every case where we look at like uh, totalitarian states, they always start with redefining terms. We see that happening all, all around us, right? Up is down, left is right, right is left, inside is out. And then they find a way to disarm the population. And once they disarm the population, your ability to freely speak is gone. And then everything else that you have that you think makes America a great country will go away. The funny thing is the way you describe that is exactly because I've read several books on his life. It's exactly what Fidel Castro did in that exact fucking order. In that exact order, that's how Fidel Castro did it. Sorry, yeah, uh, Hugo Chavez did the same thing. He took he took um, Venezuela, which was the richest country in South America, and in a generation, completely destroyed that country. There is no if communism, the, uh, the narco communist, right? This is a term I've learned on social media. These guys think that you don't need government, you don't need you know we everybody can just get along. Right. But tell me any, any socialist state, any communist state. There, first, there's no pure uh, anarchy, right? Because that's just like Lord of the Flies. Somebody will take control, right? Uh, and impose their will. And that's, there's just no law except the law of the gun at that point. But tell me any communist state, any totalitarian regime that has ever allowed freedom of speech, has ever allowed dissent, has ever allowed... Thank you, Anthony Weiner. I don't think I can name one. Because there is none. Happen. That's not what human history has taught us. We are human beings. We have our you know, proclivities to 
that have our faults. You know, we have greed. We have, you know, we have good qualities too. I don't just want to make it all sound terrible, but I mean, we're human beings. And whenever people have positions of power, they abuse it. They use it to their strengths and the people below them suffer. And I mean, the further look, you get, the further you are at the bottom of the hill, the more shit rolls and the quicker it rolls. I keep reading. I read so many books on Fidel Castro, right? And then I look at videos because they actually have videos of him speaking to the villagers and speaking, you know, to, I guess, the poor community um, in Cuba. And, and, and honestly, I was like, wow, this guy sounds like a moron. And I can't believe these people are actually following what he's saying. I mean, he would say these stupidest things, but it was enough. He got the rising. He got the rising of the poor, those that wanted stuff for free and the the opportunity to have something. And that's how he created his popularity. Class envy. It the the insertion is done through class envy, and we see it in the United States through the term uh, through intersectional politics, right? Mm-hmm. Where pit people against each other based on differences. And frankly, to be honest, the only difference in this country that matters is economic differences. And and what what do the respective political parties or what do we as individuals try to do to get past that? Right? Uh, it, it's not enough to say that um, COVID disproportionately affects African American and, and, and Latino people more. But then, but the, and they just say, well, okay, so COVID's racist. No, COVID's not racist. COVID takes advantage of certain weaknesses. And the weaknesses are, and I've, I've got a couple of them, high blood pressure, I'm overweight, and I'm over 55, <laughs> right? So uh, it's just genetics. It's just the way that it is. So if, if all you do is sit around and play video games, no, no offense, guys, <laughs> if all you do is play video games, and don't get out and exercise and eat, you know, oatmeal cream pies by the box. Um, you probably are making yourself a target for something. So, um, yeah, a target for being awesome. I'm just kidding. If that's your awesome, then be awesome. I just don't help myself. You... Oh, it's fine. I mean, like, I have to admit, I, you know, I, I do, I lost 30 pounds during COVID mostly because I mostly gave up social drinking. It's not that I've gave up drinking, right? But I don't drink that much because I don't go to Buffalo Wild Wings three days a week, four days a week. Man, that Uh, sounds good. But I know it's really good. (laughs) Asian Zing, by the way. Asian Zing. I like uh, mango habanero, even the the, uh, Carolina Reaper blazing sauce. Oh, man, that shit's good. Oh, they got what? Is that a new one? Is that a new? Yeah, song? the new. They replaced Blazing with uh, the new Carolina Reaper. <laughs> how do we get to? How do? How do we get here? How do we get here? <laughs> because it's America, freedom, freedom of choice. Uh, well, if, if you guys are curious, thank you, I'm, I'm actually growing um, Carolina um, um, black ghost pepper. A uh, bunch of different exotic peppers I'm growing. They just finally started sprouting. They've been under a heat lamp for like 25 days, and they finally just started to sprout. So I love I'm peppers. looking forward to planting those and then roasting them at the end of the season. Oh, that's awesome. We haven't started planting our pepper garden yet. I'm yeah, just starting was- right now, Small. I'm starting with a little chicken coop hidden from my wife. And um, she does not want to let me get chickens. I, she says I'm irresponsible and that I won't 
take care of the chickens. That's not true. But <laughs> I, I'm literally creating like a little small little farm, little by little. I'm bringing stuff over there, planting stuff. It's good, man. It's good to have your own little source of uh, of food there and giving out to the neighbors and all that stuff. So the old nuance, right? Of uh, that Rome Rome didn't fall from without. Rome fell from within. And we're going to be the same. We're going to fall prey to the same thing if we don't I, pay attention. I I I can't I can't agree with that. I'm sorry. Can you say why? I, I, I well. I think that everything is circular in in a way. I mean, I I'm seeing the same things happening now that I saw before in my life, and there'll be a focal point. It it'll come, and then things will shift pretty much pretty much overnight. It'll. It, but like I said, I've seen this before, so I can't I can't just say. Ah, uh, we're all gonna, you know, you know, the chicken little thing. It's, it's just, I just can't believe that. I can't, in, in my own mind, I can't believe that we're that far gone that we're gonna have to uh, have some kind of massive civil, internal civil war again. It, 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 because the people that are sowing the unrest are not the majority. They are a very, very small minority that is very vocal and is um, is being broadcasted um, live almost every night. But these groups are a minority. Yeah, but they they have the power of the media. But but that's that's, that's a, a false power. It's 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 fake. It, well, it really is. More and more people mistrust what they see on their on their tubes every day. It, it's um, it, like I said, it's it's there's going to be a focal point where somebody's going to do or say something, or some outside influence is going to come in, and things will change almost overnight. It happened before. I've seen it twice before. It'll happen again. I just hope I'm an old I, man. I agree with you that the uh, people more and more aren't trusting what they see on Fox or CNN or ABC, NBC. Pick your news network that picks, you know, leans to your political affiliation. Uh, but I think the big problem today that didn't exist before, and I'm not being like pessimistic, but social media to me is more toxic than mass media because. At least mass media has a standard. Social media has no standard, no metric for fact, no metric for truity, no metric for any paradigm of, you know, facts. Just, just people can spread whatever they want like wildfire. And that's why flat earth is just, like we started the podcast talking about or what we started this talking about is like, People believe things that are just so absurd because of stuff they watched on YouTube and read on Twitter and Facebook. And those, those platforms have their good uses. Um, but like all good things, they, you find the cons. Sure. I think that we aren't going to be destroyed. I'm not, I don't even think that a civil war and a revolutionary war is very likely. I just think that no. right now passions are high. 
2020 gave a lot of too many people too much time on their hands and it looks like a good portion of the loudest people didn't use that time productively i said it this morning and i'll say it again i think our culture i think us as older statesmen um but still trying to stay relevant and connected have to fight this battle every day on these platforms and basically um we need to start preaching the 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 way we were raised. There's nothing wrong with knuckling up. There's nothing wrong with getting getting into a fist fight. There's nothing wrong with not taking the extreme measures of animosity towards somebody, of going and just killing them and using a weapon. I mean, people, kids got to get. I mean, they weren't disciplined. Bottom line is, me as a Gen Xer, I failed in some aspects, but I, I disciplined my children. So I won't say my kids aren't respectful. And as a societal, as somebody that participates in society, my kids are in, in the norm, if not average above norm. And the problem is, is that that lower half, I mean, they don't give a shit. They don't care about life, liberty. They don't understand it because they don't, they don't, it doesn't apply to them in their, in their way of thinking. And I honestly think that that morality in a social manner, I mean, just the basics in morality. You know, we want to talk about transgender rights and all these other things, and, uh, and everybody wants to push all these narratives upon the right uh, and us conservatives as, oh, we're bigoted, homophobic, transphobic. I mean, like it, the isms and the isist and all of these things, these labels and these boundaries that they keep pushing is to help them navigate their own identity and what they perceive as a ruling class that they just made up. And the media, like you said, there's no way to prove or truth any of this crap because it's all propagandized by those young writers who are feeling this and they're saying this. And so we've lost the basic fundamentals as a society of having a norm. It, it is. It is. I, I truly believe we are in a moral decline that's going to have to be met with a force. And unfortunately, the current climate, the kids want or the, the culture wants that force to be government. And those of us that have served, those of us that have lived with, in my opinion, government since we were children, we have experience. And I do believe this is the only time age matters is when you're actually looking at your experience with the government. And I don't think the government's the answer. I think us older statesmen have to basically be a father for those families that didn't have a father or for those parents that didn't do their job. And it's time to whoop kids' ass or at least tell them that, you know, it's okay to get your ass whooped. And it's okay to go out there and use your hands if you're frustrated about something. But thinking about picking up weapons, hurting somebody else in that manner, not valuing life, not respecting life, not respecting yourself. There's a lot of that. And that ultimately is the big picture I think that we're failing. And I, I just, I don't know. I think that that's where we're stuck now is trying to navigate in their space. We are in their space right now trying to get out to them. And then every time we say something, I mean, we're, 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 we're crazy, y'all. We're the crazy ones. Well, there's a decline in values in this country, and there's a decline in the understanding of value in this country. And human life falls under that category of value. People don't value the things they used to value because too many things are taken for granted in this society. I think it's fair hmm. to, to say it's not so much a decline of values. I think the values and the cultural mores are shifting. And they're not shifting in a positive direction, right? They're shifting away from things like the value of life, the value of personal integrity, the value of commitment. Um, now it, it's it, they're being supplanted by the the value of the now, the fear of missing out, right? FOMO, um, the thing that says I need it. My instant gratification is more important 
than any kind of long-term benefit that I can provide to you or anybody else in society. So the, the change and, and to Redneck's point, it's, it's about how parents parent and, and whether they parent or don't parent, right? Because every action, even in action is still action. And if you don't do the right thing by your children, your children are not going to gain any productive value that's going to allow them to peaceably fit into a civil society. And we see it all the time. We look at the South side of Chicago, right? These are kids that have a lot of, in a lot of cases, very bad home, very bad home life, very bad school systems. Um, There's just too many problems for the resources that are available and Kids are, or they fall through the cracks. And what happens to kids that fall through the cracks? Because human beings are social creatures. They seek to find a way to fill the vacuum that, that is their shitty home life. And then they in turn resort to street gangs. And from there, the problems just escalate for them. But then as that problem escalates, it creates problems for civil society around it that has to deal with it or confront it. One second. And ladies and gentlemen, okay, so this is a fine example of how Republicans really think and how knowledgeable people have a conversation about what's going on in black America and law enforcement. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. God bless your families and God bless this beautiful country we call America. America great again.